Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Well, you know, it hasn't been a great weekend here in Pittsburgh. It hasn't been a great weekend. I'm sure you all know about the massacre at the synagogue right here in my city. And, uh, wow, you know what? Pittsburgh, I've always loved Pittsburgh. I've always been so proud. Uh, This just knocked us. You know that? It really did. We're very close. We're always like a small town. By that I mean not small town as in thinking, because we have the best arts, symphony, everything, uh, rated very highly, you know, as far as place to visit. But I mean as a big family. You know, Pittsburgh is known for the people being so friendly, and we really believe in being kind to one another. And so whether or not you were in that synagogue or whether or not you are uh, Jewish you know, we are all so wrapping our arms around the Jewish community in Squirrel Hill. It is something that, unfortunately, you know, will always be this black day in the history of Pittsburgh. But the fact that anti-Semitism is at an all-time high is really scary. And you know, you know how I always say when you have a disability, it covers everything, right? Every religion, every uh, gender, doesn't matter. Two of the people that were shot and killed were 54-year-old brothers with disabilities. They had intellectual disabilities. So that means... Everyone that knows them and everyone in the disability community, it's even like a double shock. I was in Whole Foods, and uh, my executive assistant was trying to find me, and she found uh, Paula, who was with me at the store, and they told me this terrible thing happened. And I turned around. People were leaving the store. People were crying. Uh, people that worked there called me over, and they were showing me the TV. And, I mean, how devastating. The first thing I did is call my close friend, Joan Stein, who was just on the radio show last week. Do you know that? And when she answered the phone, she said, I'm safe. That's the first thing she said. Now, here's the scarier part. She was in a different temple, and the rabbi went in, moved them to safety, and then guess what he said? Leave. Leave this synagogue and get to your house where it's safer. Leave this synagogue and get to your house where it's safer. I mean, what can I say? Terrible. But the rabbi admonished all of us that this is a time to celebrate the community. This is a time to celebrate diversity and inclusion. So how could it not be better than today have board members from the American Association of People 
with disabilities as we celebrate inclusion. And I am so excited because I love I love these guests. We have Will Riss, John Register, and Carrie Gray, all board members uh, of the American Association of People with Disabilities. And just as I said, we're going to follow that advice of the rabbi, and we're going to celebrate community, and we're going to celebrate inclusion because Pittsburgh's strong. We got to move forward and we have to be a voice of kindness and we have to be a voice of inclusion in our country today, representing the disability community. Uh, Will, John and Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you, George. Thank Thank you, George. Thanks for having us. Uh, Will, our hearts go out to you and everybody in Pittsburgh. It's just horrific and we are just so so sad about what happened i thank you thank you yeah it's been a terrible thing it really has been but it's something like this that gives me hope it's something good to follow up with and i am so proud to be on the board of the american association of people with disabilities especially right now here we are as I told you, people with disabilities were massacred in that synagogue. But you know what? As I told you what the rabbi said when he spoke here in Pittsburgh at a huge event, move forward, be kind, be inclusive. And that is what we are going to do. So, uh, Will, how did, how did you first become a board member of AAPD and Why? Well, uh, Joyce, thank you very much, and thanks for the privilege of being on your program, which is uh, renowned. Uh, anyway, I, I uh, uh, became uh, a member of the board actually through a professional, in a professional way, but if I could just take a second to go back. It was, uh, well, it was when I was uh, in charge of government uh, relations for American Airlines in Washington, D.C., and it was probably over 15 years ago now that this um, uh, this took place, but even before then, when I was in a previous um, uh, position in a consulting firm, one of my first professional exposures on the disability issue was uh, when uh, the firm had hired um, an individual from a, uh, a place in Washington, D.C. called the Green Door, which is a mental health center in Washington. And at the time, uh, the Green Door had a, a program that was very, very much uh, focused on employment and uh, having uh, helping people with, with mental illness, you know, become useful parts of, of society with places to live and good jobs and become taxpayers and become contributing citizens. And we had hired uh, a woman with, uh, who was uh, schizophrenic, uh, but she was uh, under treatment and doing just terrifically well. And she came into our firm and worked there in a way that was just inspiring. The, the struggles that she had gone through with herself and her family and her recovery had just been uh, inspirational. So I got a, a flavor of that. And the important component of that was that, that there was an employment component of that, which, which I'll get back to in a second. I subsequently uh, went to uh, American Airlines and... Uh, in the context of government relations for the airline, 
uh, one of the things that I, I learned right away is that the airline was being fined you know, constantly for uh, violations of regulations relating to transportation of people with disabilities. And uh, it was frustrating to me because it seemed like we got in a, in a position where, uh, you know, violations would take place. Uh, we'd hear from the Department of Transportation. You write them a check. You move on. More violations. You write another check. You move on. Without any consideration of how do we break this cycle? How do we stop just writing checks and start putting the resources and focus of the company into making and improving the situation so that we don't run into these kinds of violations. <laughs> and one of the, um, there was a firm at the time that was, that helped uh, corporations <clears throat> deal with some of these issues. And it was a firm that was headed up by uh, Ted Kennedy Jr. who uh, is the current president of AAPD, or the current chairman of AAPD. <laughs> and he, he provided some terrific advice for Americans. But one of the things that he really, really encouraged us to do is get involved with the American Association of People with Disabilities, AAPD, which uh, in, in his view was the, the best representative of, you know, dis, uh, of a broad-scale disability groups, lots of terrific uh, groups that are focused on specific uh, disabilities, but this is a was a membership organization uh, uh, broadly based, and uh, it didn't take me more than one meeting to see the value of this organization. It was uh, uh, it was on the forefront of of the legislative issues. It was upbeat. It was diverse. It it. Um, it touted the, you know, the, the assets of people with disabilities in a way that I just had not been exposed to before. And most importantly, from, the, from a professional point of view, it didn't, it didn't judge the corporate world as being evil. In fact, to the contrary, the corporate world was where jobs existed. And because employment is such a, um, a huge issue for people with, with disabilities, um, what AAPD has done over the years is had a terrific focus on creating jobs, which not only create the jobs, but also create for the people within the companies where, where folks work a much greater sensitivity to disability issues and, and uh, you know, just a better working environment all the way around. So it wasn't long before that introduction that I, I really um, uh, got engaged and involved in supporting AAPD, and then a couple of years later uh, got recruited to, um, to join the board, and I've been on the board ever since for at least 15 years now, and it's just been a, a fabulous experience. And, Will... I always feel so honored to not only serve with you, but count you as my friend, and you have given so much. So uh, it, it was a blessing to us to have you join. So thank you for for everything you've done. Uh, I mean, you've well, helped very me sweet. so thank much. Thank you, Joyce. Um, okay. The, so the highlight, the, the highlight, by the way, was being the vice chair when Joyce Bender was the chair, and and, and uh, that was. I learned a tremendous amount from her. It was just, it was a terrific time. Thank you. And you know, wingman 
Oh, well, we've had wonderful times, that's for sure. Uh, John Register, you're with us. How are you today? Oh, I am doing great, Joyce. Wow, what an amazing day. I, I believe every day is a holiday and every meal is a banquet. Um, the things that, that happen in life that are challenges only exist to make us stronger, and we're coming out of all this even stronger. So um, I can't believe I'm on this program. I hear Will talking. I you got Carrie Gray. Uh, you got yourself. Why you need me? I just I'm just trying to figure this out. You don't need me on this show. You got a rock star show with those two individuals. Uh, well, John, we know you're a rock star, also, and a great and I mean great speaker, great person. Um, I mean, it's it's another great board member you are. How and why did you become a board member of AAPD? Well, my journey, thanks, Joyce. I really appreciate that. My, my journey is a, a lot different than, than Will's for sure because um, I acquired a disability and amputation later on in life when I was 29 years of age. So I was thrust into this community of disability without even really understanding it or knowing it existed and then struggling with my own identity inside of it. Uh, that being, you know, trying to measure myself against uh, who I was versus who I am now. And that was a challenge. Um, but I began to find this intersection as an athlete. I was um, world-class, top eight in the country for 400-meter hurdles, uh, top 20 in the world for the same event. had gone to two Olympic trials, was working on my third when I misstepped a hurdle, dislocated my knee, severed the artery, and seven days later, I'm an amputee. And my, ma, uh, my, my wife, Alice, you know, when I, in my lowest point in life, says to me when I'm struggling really uh, at, the, at, a, at a pain point, uh, kind of going down a downward spiral. And I'm thinking about who am I now? What's my identity? Is my wife sticking around? Is my son going to still see me as his father? Do I still have a job in the Army? Can I support my family? You know, my Olympic dreams are over. And then she says, Alice says to me, you know what, John? We're going to get through this together. It's really just our new normal. And that began this entire shift of my thought process, my psyche, around disability. Uh, because I really didn't understand it, didn't understand why it was such a, a big issue until I, I, I found myself going back to a, an event to where I was actually discriminated against, not because of the color of my skin, but actually because of my amputation. Uh, so I was working on some projects with USA Track and Field and um, in, in the hurdles department and wound up finding that just because I had an amputated leg now, my, my opinions weren't weren't valued and mattered, even though I was top eight hurdler. So all that kind of went out the window. And that sort of pinged me, stung me a little bit to get me into advocacy work. Uh, later on, I started working for the United States Olympic Committee. And the first program I began was the United States uh, Olympic Committee's Paralympic Military Sport Program, which helped helps wounded, ill, and injured service members use, a, use sports as a tool for rehabilitation. So those that were primarily injured in Iraq and Afghanistan at that time, it's, it's expanded larger now. Um, and from this program, we got it up and running, put it up in warrior transition units. And in 2007, I was honored by AAPD uh, as an emerging leader with the Paul G. Hearn Leadership Award. 
and I had no idea what that was, who Paul G. Hearn <laughs> was, is, you know, was, and and so I was at this conference at this at the, at the awards dinner, saying this organization is absolutely amazing. I was looking around the room with all the people, uh, the uh, bipartisan group that was there in Washington D.C. Uh, and I think it was at the Capitol Hill met here. And I couldn't believe this room I was I was in, and so I delivered like a, a about a ninety second uh, little speech and sat down. I think the person before me gave a two hour speech <laughs> for their acceptance, and I, and I wound up um, getting kind of recruited into the board. So and not really knowing, understanding, or knowing, and I started finding myself in these positions where I was a, a different voice. I think because I really didn't have the background of disability advocacy. I was learning it, but didn't really understand it. But I was understanding disability rights, disability advocacy, when it, when it came from the standpoint of, of a, uh, an athlete, uh, Paralympic athletes in particular. Uh, and I began to start having this bridge between disability sports advocacy and disability rights advocacy. And, and I found that never the twain were meeting and I began to begin this bridge across the two because I saw the athletes doing exactly what the disability rights advocates were advocating for. So, example, a person with who uses a wheelchair, for example, and um, and that person is participating in sport, they are now three times more likely to get a job um, because of certain factors that are, are just exist inside that. So what can we learn from both worlds and get the athletes to understand that they need to be pushing into the disability, disability advocacy uh, um, world as well. So I found myself in these different committees. AEPD was one. The, the, um, the United Nations Commission on the Rights of People with Disabilities and that in this kind of sports section. Uh, and then the, um, the State Department's um, advisory committee for the secretary at that time. One was Condoleezza Rice and the second one Secretary Clinton. So that kind of got me around uh, getting understand you know understand but i i'm very smart uh because I, I i get i surround myself with people who are smarter than i am and so i made sure that i had joyce there i had tony coelho there andy imperato and ann cody and um you know just the stalwarts of, of the community um they, they were they were my rocks and um so uh, and now judith human she's like my number one mentor so uh so i appreciate being on and, and however i can lend any type of voice to this conversation today well, John, uh, as I said to Will, you know, um, I am also, I am always just so motivated by you and being around you because you have this great attitude, but you bring so much to the table and you have a great radio voice. So what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, John. (laughs) Carrie Gray. I haven't seen you for a long time, Carrie. Carrie Gray, are you with us? Yes, ma'am. I'm here. And I haven't seen you for so long, huh? It's been forever, like (laughs) 24 hours. (laughs) Carrie Gray was so kind to come up to Pittsburgh yesterday uh, for the prestigious Tony Coelho Award being presented to David Holmberg, the CEO. Let me tell you how awesome David Holmberg is. In the morning, in the Highmark building, there's a coffee shop 
uh, stand downstairs. And there's always a huge line there. And he went over, and he didn't know we did this. The only reason we found out is we are friends with the owner's son. I mean, the owner. The owner of the coffee stand. I'll tell you in a minute what made me think of him as a son. But anyway, uh, David went over to him and said, Billy, from 7 o'clock this morning to 10 o'clock, everyone that comes here, I want you to give them a free coffee or drink, whatever they ask for. I only have one request. I only want you to tell them one thing. Be kind. That is what a great man this is. And why he got this award is because Highmark has forever been employing people with disabilities uh, nonstop. They are the ones that helped me start the company. And now here we go full circle. The CEO that stood behind me at the beginning, Bill Lowry, who has since passed away, that is his son that owns that coffee uh, stand in the Highmark building. Amazing how things things go. But uh, Carrie was so nice to join us. Um, and Carrie, first I want to ask you, how did you become a board member of AAPD? And what made you want to be a board member? Definitely. I mean, once again, I just want to thank you for having Disability In and myself out um, at the event yesterday. It was amazing to be in the city of Pittsburgh, like was already mentioned, considering everything that's happened in the city. And just to kind of be there, to be a part of the presence, I mean, you felt the level of solidarity between everyone in the room. That was incredible. And it was also amazing to see the award and, and the CEO of Highmark. And, and we can tell, like, the people that we work with and the companies that we work with are a reflection of the leadership. And, and that story that you showed really showed the the heart of the company, the desire of the company to really um, be within the community. I mean, I'm just thankful that, you know, y'all put that together and we were able to be a part of it. Um, so thanks again for that. Um, but, yeah, AAPD is a really important organization to my heart. Um, I got connected to the organization through their internship program. And so when I was in college um, my junior year, I was pretty ambitious. <laughs> and I knew that I wanted to be in Washington, D.C. I was studying political science and communication. And I had the biggest dream to be connected to President Barack Obama. I was like, I want to work for this man. I want to make a difference in our com our country and everything about what was happening in the administration at that time was really exciting to me. Um, so I got an email from my VR counselor, actually, in the DARS program back in Texas, and she happened, she didn't know that I was, like, really looking for internships, but she forwarded me an announcement from um, this organization called the American Association with People with Disabilities, and she was like, I don't know if you're looking right now, but it sounds like a, like a really good opportunity. And so I checked it out, and I was like, you know, I don't know about this disability part. <laughs> at the time, I did not identify with disability at all. I didn't want to. I didn't want that name. I didn't want that label anywhere close to me. Um, but when I was looking at the description of the program, I was like, you know, it's in Washington D.C. 
It sounds like it has a lot of great opportunities with it. That's where I want to be. So let me give it a shot. So I applied for the program, and thankfully, for some reason, (laughs) they decided to accept me. And I wasn't working for President Obama at the time, but I was working for Leader Nancy Pelosi and all of her staff. And I have to say, that summer was one of the best experiences of my whole academic career. I mean, it made a tremendous impact on me. Um, And in ways I didn't expect. Um, because I, I expected the program to have a professional impact on me, for me to learn a lot about our, our nation's capital and politics and things to that nature. But what I didn't expect was for it to introduce me to what is considered the disability community. Um, when I got to orientation, when I started learning about the history and just actually seeing that people with disabilities exist in a way that is not stereotypical, in a way that isn't connected to hospitals, in a way that isn't connected to um, begging, and like all of the, there's so much imagery that we grow up with that shows this label of disability being a negative thing. And this was the very first time in my life I was, 20 in college and I saw that people with disabilities existed and they existed in a powerful way, an influential way, um, in a way that I could get down with. Um, so I, I love this organization. It, it has done so much for my life in terms of erasing years, years and years of shame. And, and similar to what John was saying earlier, all of these questions about what I could do and who could you know, embrace me as, a, as this black woman in society with disabilities. Um, so fast forwarding uh, um, so many years later, I've just been working and hustling. I'm, I'm just kind of a little ambitious in nature. <laughs> and um, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully through the work that I've been able to contribute to the disability community, also at the intersections of, of um, race and, and women's rights, um, just uh, last year, Helena Bergner asked me to be a board member of AAPD, and I was honored um, because, again, as I mentioned, this organization, I think, gives so much to the next generation of talent. They are fundamental in the perceptions, the employment strategies, the political strategies of people with disabilities. So to be even a little a part of that um, means a lot to me. Well, you mean a lot to us because you know what? Carrie, you are a dynamo, and but it is so great to have uh, the thoughts and perspective of a young disability leader uh, who also works for this great organization, Disability In, and I just love you so. I'm so glad to be on that you're on the board of AAPD, um, and you know, at the half hour mark. On Disability Matters, we have Advocacy Matters, where every show we have the CEO of the Pennsylvania Disability Rights Network, Perry Jude Radisick, on so we can keep everyone up to date on what's going on in the disability community. Um, and Perry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Joyce. And uh, it would be remiss of us at Advocacy Matters not to talk about hate crimes 
especially given the horrific week we've had uh, with bias-motivated crime in our country, culminating with the act of domestic terrorism that targeted our Squirrel Hill neighborhood synagogue. That hate-filled act took the lives of 11 individual worshipers and wounded six others. Included were two brothers with intellectual disabilities. In addition, in the last week, there was a hate crime in Louisville, Kentucky, that targeted African Americans. There was a witness in the parking lot who encountered the suspect and said the shooter told him whites don't shoot whites. I know all of us, including your listeners, extend our deepest sympathies to the family and friends of those killed. Our nation has also gone through a terrible week where Our political leaders were targeted with mail bombings, and so was the news media. Hate-filled speech is on the rise. And I know that all of us, as well as your listeners, stand with our African-American, Jewish, LGBTQ, Asian, Muslim, and Hispanic colleagues, to speak out against hate and hate crimes, which have no place in our society. The Federal Bureau of Investigation collects data on hate crimes. That information comes from local law enforcement. In 2016, the FBI collected 6,121 incidents of hate crimes. Those were reported nationwide, again, from our local law enforcement. 57.5% were based on race and ethnicity. 1.2% were based on disability. Advocacy matters, and it's important that we support each other against all forms of hate and report hate crimes if it happens to us. To report a hate crime you must first report the crime to law enforcement and then include any information that indicates that that crime was bias-motivated. We will not forget David and Cecil Rosenthal, two of the 11 individuals who died in the Pittsburgh shooting, brothers who received their supports through Achieva in Pittsburgh, and experienced a life of inclusion through the Tree of Life Synagogue. May their memory be a blessing. Thank you, Joyce. Well, Perry, thank you. Um, I, too, talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the show, but not to the level you did in reference to hate crimes. And you were mentioning about the FBI and the reports. It has spiked significantly, uh, the anti-Semitic attacks. But it's across the board. And as people with disabilities, it is our responsibility 
to speak up for our brothers and sisters. And if we see any type of hate crime, to report it. Uh, And Perry, I'm really glad you brought that up. You're welcome, Joyce. All right, Perry, thank you so much, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Again, thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Yeah, as you can see, it really impacted us here, but you can also see we are stronger together, and we are determined that we are going to make a difference. Hey, Carrie, I know there was a very big announcement yesterday on the New York Stock Exchange that involved AAPD and Disability Inn that could end up impacting the employment of people with disabilities. Would you mind sharing that great news with our listening audience? I was going to yesterday, but, you know, with all of this going on, you know, I just didn't. But um, now's a good time. Most definitely. I mean, this, the month of October, there's all types of things happening. And um, one of the things that's really exciting is that um, our one of our corporate partners, Accenture, in collaboration with our organization Disability In and AAPD, released a groundbreaking report that really talks about the the um, need of people with disabilities in the workplace. It's called Getting to Equal the Disability Inclusion Advantage. And this report is so useful to businesses, to um, to management, to executives and companies because it follows 45 companies that um, participate and engage in the DEI, um, the Disability and Quality Index, and it basically learned from these companies over the last um, few years, what are the best practices and what are the benefits of including people with disabilities in the workplace? Um, I think it would be great to have Jill and other folks on the line to talk about the report in more detail, but I'll just give a couple of highlights. Um, a couple of things that the report found was that companies that have improved their inclusion of people with disabilities are four times more likely to have shareholder work shareholder returns and outperform their peers. Um, it also shows that um, um, the champion companies, those 45 companies that also take the DEI, on average, they have about 28% higher revenue, double the net income, and 30% higher economic profit margins um, over the four-year period that they've analyzed. There's so much both quantitative and qualitative benefits to the incorporation of people with disabilities in the workplace. And if anyone has questions on why they should do this, the benefits behind it, this report is something that you can go to as a resource and it really breaks it down and explains it to the, to the corporate world why they should be incorporating people with disabilities. And there's so many of us to leverage and to incorporate in the workplace that are untapped talent right now. Um, So I know we're excited to be working with Accenture and AAPD um, to to 
really um, release this information out into the world to show people things that we've really been knowing for some time now. Um, but in actuality, we have the data in front of us. We have the company participation. And it just really furthers um, the mission that we've been doing for some time now. So definitely encourage people to check out the report. Again, it's called Getting to Equal the Disability Inclusion Advantage. And Carrie, is there a way to get it now, or do we have to wait? Yep, it was released yesterday. I'm sorry. So um, it was a big event where several companies, and um, we had some CEOs, we had executives, we had participation um, from across the country. We're at the New York Stock Exchange, a day full of event, and it was officially released yesterday. So um, if you do a quick search on the title of the report, you would be able to find it, or you could reach out to myself and our team, and I'd be more than happy to, to send the report along. Okay, what is the name again? Um, The report is um, called Getting to Equal, the Disability Inclusion Advantage. It's a report that was produced by Accenture in collaboration with Disability In and AAPD. Oh, that is so awesome. You heard me say it yesterday, Carrie, but hiring people with disabilities is not a charity. Hiring with people with disabilities is not this nice thing to do. Hiring people with disabilities is for a return on investment. That's what it is. No pity, no charity, equality at work. And that, Carrie, is going to help make that point. That is so awesome. Uh, and, and actually, exactly. th- yes, that brings me to George, talking. Can I, can I jump yes. in on that? Uh, yes, absolutely. Hey, so, so, so I took time and took leave and went up there to the New York Stock Exchange so I could be there for this historic event. And the buzz in the room, almost it was like a gasp with some of the, with some of the organizations, with some of the businesses, because when you have the comptroller of New York State, Thomas DiNapoli, uh, come in being introduced by our board chair, Ted Kennedy, as well as the, uh, the, the comptroller uh, for New York City, Scott Stringer, both of whom are looking at pension funds and how to, how to uh, look at companies and who they're going to do business with, both of them saying that the way they are measuring now because of this report is if you are not hiring or having people with disabilities in your organizations, they're going to say that you do not have a competitive advantage in the workforce, so therefore we're going to go with somebody that does. That is huge. That is huge. That is absolutely huge. If you do not have people with disabilities in your organization, if you are not a part of that DEI, which is a great place to start, you are at a disadvantage, so therefore we will invest our capital, our resources, with those that do because they do have that higher level of impact because they are more productive by having people with disabilities in their workforce. That's incredible. And that, oh, we've got to get that out, Carrie, John. Well, we've got to get that out because that, what you just said, is so powerful. Oh, and you know I would have been there, but we had this Tony Coelho Award, which I also, you know, this is so important to me. But I knew that uh, our chair, Ted, 
Uh, and I, I was going to be there in Helena and Jill, and I'm so glad that you went, John. That is awesome. Uh, and I'm sure you'll never forget that. I, I think it is, um, it just gave the validation that we all sort of know, but we couldn't really qualify. qualify. Um, and it just pushed it. It gave the ADA a shot in the arm uh, to get folks to not, it's not just a nice thing to do. If you are not hiring people with disabilities, you are at a disadvantage by 28% of your competitor, period. Bottom Definitely. line. You are not as competitive. Yeah, that is amazing. That's powerful. And we got to get that news out everywhere. That is so powerful. I'm so excited about that. Uh, and we're talking about employment. You know, I said to someone yesterday, someday, someday we're going to look back on yesterday where we gave, and Tony himself was there, Tony Quello, author of the ADA and board member of AAPD and speaker at Disability and So former Congressman Quello, this award has been given out for since 2001, I think. I'll have to look it up. But during that time, it has only been given out 11 times. It is not given out just to be given out. It's voted by the disability community, Tony himself, and of course, we are the ones that orchestrate all of this at Bender Consulting Services. But, but as I said, you really have to have really, really impacted the employment of people with disabilities, whether you are a CEO or government leader. So the last time it was given out was to Secretary of Labor Tom Perez. So yesterday, it's given out to the CEO of Highmark, David Holmberg, and they are now the fourth largest uh, employer, I mean, fourth largest healthcare insurance company, but a huge employer of people with disabilities. And I said to someone afterwards, so someday we're going to look back on this, or people are going to look back on this and say, do you know that like they used to have to give awards to people because they hired people with disabilities? Wow. That's like giving an award because you hire a woman or a minority. Yeah, isn't that something? They used to have to do that. But we're having to do it, folks. We're having to do it for a long time because 70% of people with disabilities, 16 to 64, are still not counted in the workforce. So, Carrie, I wanted to ask you first. Um you're a person with a disability, but you are very involved in disability rights. Your opinion, why do you think the uh, employment rate for people with disabilities is double that of non-disabled people? What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's really disappointing to hear how bad it is, um, those numbers, every time I hear it, I, I'm just like, we have to do more, we have to do better. I think there's a couple of reasons of why that's the case, um, and, and I would go over that very briefly, but I do want to end with the note that I think that these things can be fixed, right? So one, when I interact with folks in the employment sector that are looking for talent, um, they have a lot of questions and concerns around the capabilities of people with disabilities. 
Um, there's just a lot of uncertainty around how much can this person move, how much can this person think, how much can they execute, all of these concerns that because they go unaddressed, because there aren't enough spaces, enough training, enough interactions with our diverse community, it allows for people to indirectly discriminate, or sometimes directly, but um, definitely indirectly discriminate. And so what ends up happening is, you know, when you go into the interview process, I remember we were talking with Becky a few weeks ago, and she talked about she's been on a hundred different interviews and submitted her resume over and over again. I have a number of students who actually have the same story, where they go on not just I've been on a few interviews, I've been to five or ten, but we're talking hundreds where you're trying over and over again to show what you can bring into the workplace, but the moment that they see that your body looks different or they, they find out that your mind works differently or whatever the case may be, it, it sends a signal for folks to just say, let's not even give it a try. I don't think that's a direction that would be helpful to our organization. And I think that level of stigma, that level of questions that leads to discrimination has really pushed people out of the workplace. And it's also pushed people to, like, stop trying, um, which I think is unfortunate. We, we have to go back into the process of encouraging and reminding my students constantly that you have something of value to bring into the workplace, but we have to fight against the stigma that, that's operating um, against you. So I think that if we can find more education, which is fixable, if we can build more relationships, which we can do that, if we can show more data that proves against these questions and concerns that people have, um, then it will bring more people into the workplace. And I'm, I'm hungry to make that happen. Me too. Because when I started uh, doing volunteer work, in 1986, it was like 80 to 90 percent. But now, 70 percent are still not counted in the workforce. Go to ODEP, the Office of Disability Employment Policy, and you'll see it. Now, I have seen some improvement. I have. And like Carrie, I believe, especially with this report and with uh, uh, the Assistant Secretary of OFCCP uh, actually, you know, saying we are going to do this, I we are going to enforce 503. I think we will. But it's just, oh, I wish I was just saying 10% are not counted or 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. How about you, Will? You, you were in corporate America. What's your opinion? I, I want to commend you, by the way, that you had someone there with schizophrenia because people with psychiatric disabilities have abysmal, abysmal employment rate. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it, there's so many. I mean, Carrie really just was so articulate in, in her explanation. But, you know, and this is you know, reinforcing what she said. But one of the, one of the, the things is that, that people, you know, in, in the employment world, in the corporate world, or whoever are hiring, you know, a, lot, a large part of reluctance is based, and I, I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but based on ignorance, based on the fact that they don't understand the value 
that people with disabilities bring because people with disabilities, I, I don't want to categorize, categorize everyone with this way, but they work a lot harder. It's a lot harder to, to you know, they have a lot more things that they have to do uh, than a lot of other people to get to work, to get to the job, to perform the job. They are really dedicated, hardworking people. And, one, and if you don't, but if you don't have that experience, then you don't know that. And so one, one of the things that I think is really important, uh, it, this was huge from, from my point of view at, at, sort of at American Airlines tonight, it was that we, we rated for years and years ourselves on, you know, hiring minorities, hiring women, hiring, you know, uh, people with different sexual orientation and so on and so forth, and never was there a category of people with disabilities? And I always, you know, was an advocate, and I think, you know, this is now becoming uh, more of the norm in the corporate world for a variety of reasons, but we have to measure this. We have to take into account that somebody has to say at a high level in a corporation, we have X, you know, percentage of women, of, of African Americans, of Hispanics, whatever, but also of people with disabilities, because... You can't fix what you can't measure. And, and so that's a huge part of it. And one of the things that I think is, has, in, in addition to this incredible event yesterday with, with this study that, that probably not only reinforces, but, you know, goes way beyond what a lot of us had ever imagined would be the, the connection between hiring people with disabilities and, and, and success. Uh, in uh, financial success in the in the business world, but uh, AAPD has been at the forefront in developing what what's been referred to for as a disability equality index, by which corporations can get measured on their inclusivity, on their ability to hire, on their on their actual actions of hiring people with disabilities, and it's a pretty darn rigorous test. I mean, it is not a, it's not easy to get a high score on this. And every year, it's only it's been going out for what now three years, three or four years. Uh, the number of corporations that want to participate in this is getting higher and higher. And what it simply means is, within the internal organization, you're you're getting a recognition uh, that that hiring people with disabilities becomes a corporate priority. And then what ends up happening is, if you are working sitting next to somebody with a disability, you understand the value that they bring, and you are no longer afraid. You're no longer worried about it, and, and uh, it has a very beneficial cycle. Uh, and if you're in a service business, it's even more important because if, you're, if you have people that you work with that have disabilities and you're serving people with disabilities, you're going to be far more sensitive. You're going to be far more aware of the of the issues, and it, it becomes a virtuous cycle when you get involved in this. So I think you're right. I think we're making um, progress, not nearly fast enough, um, and the economy, the booming economy actually is helping a great deal because there's a scarcity of people for jobs, and it gives an opportunity for more people with disabilities to finally get a crack at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, that is another thing that irritates me is when people say, where are we going to find the people? And I say, I know where. I know where you can find them. So I'm glad yeah, you no brought kidding. that up, Will, because there is an incredible, you know, labor shortage. And I just think 
that, you know, companies, we have an untapped labor pool ready to work, that want to work. And as Tony Quello said yesterday, the only group that want to pay taxes. So please uh, keep that in mind if you're listening to the show that, you know, it's all about talent. Talent should be the only discriminator. Um, John, how about you? What's your opinion? Why, why do you think we have this incredibly high unemployment rate? Well, I, I just come, come down to kind of brass tacks, and I totally agree with Kerry and Will. I also think, just to call it out, it has to deal with stigma, um, negative stigma against people with disabilities. I had to overcome that my, myself with um, my first part of being an, an, a, new, newly, a new amputee. And then second, it's the negative, uh, what, what Will said, I think, and I'll articulate, articulate it this way, other people uh, will often forecast what they believe a person can or cannot do based upon what they believe they could or could not do if they were the person with a disability. So therefore, the advantages that happen for one is negated by the limitation the other person places there on, on the other person. And then the third is societal. You know, why was I thinking that my wife was going to leave or that John Jr. wouldn't see me as his dad or I was going to be kicked out of the United States Army? What did I listen to in society that told me those things were true that I believed? Who was I listening to? So from a societal standpoint, then how do we change and shift the narrative from there? i tell you how I do it. I no longer um, will succumb to somebody else's opinion of what I can or cannot do. And that's a place I think we have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to wait for somebody to give me a job when I know I can earn it myself. And it's, it's, it's the mentality, uh, even in the African-American uh, way of where I'm not going to sit back and just because you think I am of lower status, I'm, I, I, I negate that by my showing up and will always be there because I deserve to be there if that's where I choose to, to lay my cards and lay my hat. Um, so I, I, I don't subscribe to I need a handout. It's going to be I'm going to empower myself and empower others around me so that when we show up, we're going to show up in force and you, we will not be denied. And as they were saying yesterday at the, um, at the getting to equal, um, <laughs> I mean, the comptroller said it pretty, pretty good. Um, Denopoly, you know, they were talking about these, um, oh, what is it? Let's call these, uh, what's the thing called? An ESG and economic sustained growth. I mean, they're, they're bringing the whole kitchen sink. And you heard the, you, you could have audibly heard the gasp in the room when he said that they were not going to, they were going to disadvantage companies that did not have people with disabilities on the, um, in, in, their, in, their, in their organizations. And that was like, oh my gosh, we got to get to work on this. Um, so money talks, and when we show up to the table and demanding these things, uh, we will not be denied. So that's uh, you know what? You know what, John? You, you could not have said that better. I mean, that's what it is. It is what it is. But you know what, folks? We're going to change it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to change it. And uh, Carrie, Will, John, 
thank you so much for being with uh, me today. You know, we're all board members of AAPD. And just go to aapd.com, join us, become a member, get involved, aapd.com. Thank all of you. And we end every show with a quote. And since we are talking today about the employment of people with disabilities, I have to end with this quote, especially with with, what John, uh, everyone said, from Tony Quello, and that is, work gives us dignity. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.